Welcome to the Victor's Podcast, Samuel. It's been quite a while. Yeah, buddy. Back. Welcome back to 2019. Yes. Peoples. By the way, we have a new website that I've created. It's called, it's at cfbstatnation.com. Have some uh, previews about returning production. We'll have a Michigan preview up there shortly. And also have a... Uh, an indication or a little measurement of NFL draft recruiting status based on high school recruiting talent. A little measurement that just kind of tries to highlight the skill of a college fo- of all college football programs developing their high school talent into NFL draft picks. Check out the site. It's going to be new, improved. It's going to grow. Uh, we'll, we're open to any kind of suggestions that you might have if you can um it, it's it's a definitely a new site so we're excited about its growth and what it can do and awesome very awesome cfbstatnation.com where there's going to be another football season which yeah. means we're going to have another chance to beat that team down south oh i gotta get over that hump huh yeah we're going to talk a little bit about that we're going to talk about uh, state of the program. Talk a little bit about what uh, Jim Harbaugh said at Big Ten Media Days, which was apparently controversial. Controversial you, in general, like Media Days to you. What do you think of it? Is it for the fans? No, no. I feel here's it's you for go for the first. media. It's for the media, and it's not as big a deal outside of the SEC as inside. You think like, the SEC is bigger than the yeah? Because SEC does it for like a week. And Big Ten yeah. does it for like two days, and all the other conferences do it for like one day. Yeah, I feel like it's an event made for the media for people to create controversy. It's yeah. just so someone can say something to get a coach to say something that's a little off script, yeah. and then you could just exclamation point it and hammer them. And a lot of times the coaches use it for their little PR, whatever they want to say. Well, and then that's your opportunity to right. say, this is the state of our program and this is how we're doing and it's an honor to be here. But, I mean, that's coach speak. And nobody cares about that stuff. Yeah. So it's no, really... It's def- yeah, it's definitely for the media. Yeah. And uh, so it is what it is. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. I mean, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but here's what was apparently controversial. Um, Harbaugh talked about Urban Meyer. This actually wasn't starting on, off the season controversy. Yeah, it was this actually wasn't at Big Ten Media Days, but it came up around the time of Big Ten Media Days. Actually I think it was because he was doing a media hit at Big Ten Media Days on the next one. This is actually out from a Tim Kawakami podcast on the Athletic. Um this is Jim Harbaugh's actual quote on Urban Meyer. The actual quote and you can tell me if you think this is controversial or not or, or what what your feedback is. You don't okay. have to, you don't have to I'm just... hearing hearing it for the first time, so I'm excited. Right. So on Urban Meyer, he has a phenomenal record everywhere he's been. Controversy Correct. also follows him everywhere he's been. Correct. Correct. Okay. As you said it, I said correct and correct. These two things are facts. Okay. So be my unbiased um, opinion maker here. Is okay. It, is it petty for Harbaugh to say that about Urban Meyer? 
in no way, shape, or form because facts are facts. If you say a fact and someone is offended by it, that means they are offended by the truth. <laughs> so how could you be offended by the fact that it is the truth that Urban Meyer comes with a ton of baggage, even though he'll probably be a head coach somewhere next year, uh, hopefully not in the Big Ten. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, If it's the truth, you can't be offended by it. It's same same shit with my kids. Well, this is like... like a, yeah. It, well, you the, say something that's the truth and they get mad because it's real. The dumb thing about it is is that there are, uh, you know, what are there, 350 million people in the U.S.? 300, 300, 327 million. Okay, so so here's the number of people that could say this and it no one would bat an eye in it. 326,999,999 people could say this exact quote and no one would even think no one twice. No care <laughs> whatsoever. Me or you say it right now. Uh, right, okay. It's just facts. Right, yeah. So Harbaugh couldn't say it and maybe Michigan's AD couldn't say this and, and someone not get okay, their panties so, in a so while. So dissect, dissect it a little. Uh, Urban Meyer won a championship where he was a head coach at Florida and won a championship where he was a head coach at Ohio State. But he left Florida because of personal issues, because he's a freaking head case nutbag. He, I think he had 31 players arrested while he was at Florida. Yeah, and, and he also left Ohio State for reasons that we all know as of recent. So basically, I just said the exact same sentence. But I just right. I put in the context. So I, so you could ask. I think a legitimate question to ask would be why would Harbaugh say that? Because it wasn't. It didn't seem like it was necessarily a, in response to a direct question. I think they were. And I don't know exactly what the context of the conversation is, but I'm sure he just kind of brought it up. You know, because it's the elephant you don't, you in the don't room have all every that time. Stuff DVR'd? I know I, I I don't listen to that podcast. I don't think I am subscribed to the Athletics, so I can't mm. listen to that one. But we're in the modern day of uh, everything's internet based television, so we can't yeah, DVR anything anymore. Right. <laughs> well, we don't need to, but yeah. Yeah, no need. <laughs> but, um, but I think that I think the the calculated it, like if we're if we think this is calculated, and I'm not sure if it is or not. He might have just been might have just it's short, so short it might have just been an off the cuff kind of comment, but it is kind of an an opportunity to for him to you know the way he said it he does he is able to get his little angle in there and say yes and he's obviously acknowledged he says he has a phenomenal record everywhere he's been so he's obviously acknowledging that he's a phenomenal head coach as far as on the mm-hmm. field but he's also acknowledging that he that the programs that he has left have you know um I wouldn't say that they that he left them in turmoil. Maybe Florida, but mm-hmm. Ohio State not so much. Ohio State's fine. It's not like he, he ruined. It's not like he, he ruined knew, the program. When he knew anything. Tebow was done, he left Florida. I remember. Right. So at least so so so, 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 who so is my he point, offending here? Though? No, I don't know. No one. But the point is, <laughs> the point is, I think it might be somewhat calculated because he's able to kind of get his little angle in there for recruiting purposes, right? So mm-hmm. like, so you know. Ryan Day can come in there as Ohio State's coach and say, you know, hey, we beat Michigan every time we played them, you know, under Harbaugh or under Meyer. Therefore, why would you want to go to Michigan, you know, from a recruiting conversation standpoint? But also Harbaugh, Harbaugh is kind of able to get his angle in there and say, hey, yeah, we, we've come up short when we've played Ohio State every time. And that's, and that's not what we want. But we also aren't dealing with this kind of off the field BS that you don't, you know, 
I'm sure none of the players involved in Ohio State were happy to deal with that type of stuff when it was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, he, he, so it's almost like he can try and just like scratch a little angle at his little own four record, which you know own four is what it is. So it's, that's obviously got to change, but. Is, it's and it's I think it's, it's a talking point. It's a media day's talking. Point. I'm sure both of us said last year that it was going to change last year, but uh, it's even up to that game, we thought for sure. Yeah, I, I I wasn't I wasn't predict at the beginning of the season last year. I wasn't predicting that they would win because I knew it was going to be in Ohio State, and I knew Ohio State didn't have any reason to drop off. Um, at the time. You know, I think Michigan was favored by like five points going into that game. Yeah, it wasn't and a huge, so, huge well difference. It was, but it kind of was significant because they were favored going into Ohio State mm-hmm. at Ohio State end of the season. I mean, significant in the way it turned out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah. It ended up being significant, but but yeah. So you know, it was a toss up game in my mind, and it turned up not turned out not being a toss up game. But we'll, we don't need to talk. I always about bet that. on defense, so I lost that bet. All right, so I don't know if you saw this second quote here. That was kind of uh, kind of a little bit of controversial as well, um, but it has to do with transfers. Okay, hippie hopping. Yeah, so I'll read it to you. I'm going to read. It's a little bit long. It's, it's maybe take a minute, or a minute or two. Probably not more than two for me to get through. But I'm going to want to give you the quote verbatim. So you listen, turn your ears on, tell me if you think this is controversial or or if you think this is you know out of line or or not a good look, so to speak. All okay, right. he's talking about transfers. It's something that's really evolved in my mind, he said about the transfer process. Where we're at right now is in a limbo period, in my opinion. The NCAA decides who is eligible immediately, who has to sit out a year in residence. It used to be you could sit out a year and then be eligible. Now we see guys get eligible immediately. It's not really clear on what makes someone eligible immediately and what doesn't. I don't like the gray area of that. I think it cleans it up of saying everyone has one year where they could be immediately eligible. If you do it a second time, that's getting a little hippity-hoppity. It's a litigious society we live in right now, as you know. This whole process has already gotten lawyers involved, lawyers who are specializing in this right now. And the other piece that bothers me about it is the youngster says, the youngster that says, this is a mental health issue, I'm suffering from depression. Or that's a reason to get eligible. And once that's known that, hey, say this or say that to get eligible, the problem I see in that is that you're going to have guys that are, okay, yeah, I'm depressed. Exactly. Okay. Um, well, hold on. Let me read the last paragraph and then we can talk about it. Oh, there's more. There's more. Say okay. what they've got to say, but down the road, I don't see that helping them if it's not a legitimate thing. But nobody would know. What are you going to say? Ten years down the road, I just had to say what I had to say. And I think you're putting them in a position that's unfair, not right. And as you said, you're saying it just to say it. And that's not truthful. That's not necessarily truthful. It's not something we should be promoting at the college level. Telling the truth matters, especially at a college. Okay. First off, fully agree with what he says there. 100%. He is correct. Transferring is ridiculous. Uh, You should have to sit a year. Uh, and you should be honest because if you're not honest now at this point in life, it's going to hurt you later. Well, hold on, hold on. What he's saying is, is that he is he's supporting that there should be a free transfer one time. Oh, I didn't pick that up. Yeah, he's okay. saying. He's saying. Yeah, he, it wasn't. It says. Uh, let's see. Where was it? Because it, it sounded almost self-serving at first uh, when he was talking about. But I, I totally missed that. 
Yeah, it says he says, I think it cleans it up of saying everyone has one year where they could be immediately eligible. If you do it a second time, that's getting a little so hippy he So he kind of wants free agency then. Well, he's saying that there should be, he's supporting, he's coming out and supporting a one-time free transfer. I am not on board with that. Right. I'm, I'm not that guy. So the controversy on this is that he's saying that, that especially Michigan State and Ohio State fan bases and writers picked it up as he's saying, Oh, uh, people! Oh, kitten! People are faking depression. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's like, he, that's he, not... It sounded like he's saying, "If you say you're depressed, which because maybe he knows has a little more insight on like well, there why was a, guys there was like a particular, Justin Fields." There was a particular Michigan player who transferred, or, then later claimed in his petition for eligibility that he was depressed, but he didn't seek treatment for it at the time he was at Michigan because he didn't want to look weak. Okay, so that's probably the loophole that the one lawyer that represented freaking ninety percent of those guys got like sixty five guys transfers this year. Maybe the one maybe who now works for the NCAA. That's the loophole. So maybe Harbaugh is is trying to shed light to that loophole, right? And it's not self serving though, because at first I thought it's well, it sounds like he's talking crap about Justin Fields, uh, which I happen to know a whole lot about. Unfortunately, uh, it, it just seems like. If you make it where you have one free transfer, it's free agency. And then what is the point of following recruiting? What is the point of coaches putting all these hours into recruiting? Right. If, no, you, if not, you could have guys transfer at will. Yeah, I'm not sure if I agree with I whether like there should be a free transfer or not. But what I do agree with is is that it shouldn't be gray area of who's immediately eligible or not. There shouldn't be, no. it shouldn't just be, well, it depends on what you say and whether you say you're depressed or not. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't depend on that. That's like the only like point. Justin Fields transferred out of Georgia. He got immediately eligible. They haven't exactly explained why. I'm sure. And they never will. I, and I think, I think it was yeah. something to do with depression now that I heard that, uh, because he didn't use the racist comments from the baseball player that who was immediately kicked off the team at Georgia. He was depressed that he wasn't the starter. Luke Ford has an ailing grandfather from Iowa. uh, Illinois, I think. Illinois. A legitimate reason to transfer. And he's homesick. And and I I 100% agree he should have been able to transfer. And he was not given eligibility. That's crazy. Justin Fields has no reason to be eligible. And Mm. Luke Ford has every reason and it happens vice versa. It, that, yeah. That's nuts. I do not like the gray area. Yeah, I don't like it either. And you know, I I think I, I think I'm on board with Harbaugh on this because you it, want people it, to be able to transfer one time, no penalty, immediate eligibility. Kind of because that would mean like next year, uh, McCaffrey he's gone. Uh, I mean, pick pick guys that you really like. They, they could be gone like that. Yeah, they can. They could. They can still do it as we stand. Well, now. right now with the gray area, yes. yeah. Say, say, but what he's saying is he wants to get rid of the gray area and have that. Yeah. So if you really agree with Harbaugh, there is no more gray area, mm-hmm. and you get one-time eligibility transfer yeah. no matter what. I think I'm okay with that because uh-huh. that means he can also bring in a guy that he, that wants to be there. I mean, ultimately, you're letting people it's be where they want to be. Agency that's, in college football. Do you think that's wrong? What's why? Don't, why are you opposed to that? I think that it's, it's. I'm opposed to that because the whole millennial standpoint on this is the fact that, like, oh my gosh, I'm not the starter, or this, I'm not the. It's not exactly as I thought it would be. So the first sign of controversy, I'm transferring. Well, and okay. you, you so, would not have players that become all-time greats at your school because they left immediately. Well, you also know? maybe you're. 
Also, maybe the players that are weak-minded like that are never going to become all-time players they, at your school. They could have been. They could have been. Justin uh, Fields could have been somebody at Georgia. Well, we'll see about that. But you know what I mean, though. Like it, no, it just no, erases. I, no, I don't the, know what you mean. It, my opinion, in my opinion, actually, in my opinion, the kids should be paid for playing. Uh, I mean, uh, I agree. With I that. mean, we. I'm, I'm not against that. We're, we're, we're a capitalist society, right? They're making billions for the freaking school. Why yeah. not? Why not like pay if them you're, something? Like if you're a computer coder and you go to school for computer coding and you come up with some crazy app and then you market this app you shouldn't be declared ineligible I mean, from school but so you're saying okay if we're a capitalist society right. this, this is where you have to go into with the getting paid for players is uh, okay my school made 500 million for my school mm-hmm. you know through football i get this portion so that means if you go to alabama you're going to get a hell of a lot more money than if you go to michigan is that fair well that's not necessarily true that would destroy recruiting situation. when you it's, i think it should be yes they get paid but it's unilaterally NCAA says everybody gets a thousand bucks a week, or mm. you know. I don't know. I, there's still. I think the guys at the little the, school should still get the same pay as the guys at the big school. I don't know. I don't agree with that necessarily. They're 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 putting forth the same risk. They're putting forth the same like risk of their life of of like get a concussion tomorrow, your career is over. Why mm. not get paid the same? Yeah, but do the players? That's how unions work. Listen, but do the players from Alabama and Clemson? Do they bring in more money for the TV networks and the schools than the players from Kent State and Bowling Green, Ohio? They do. So now you're making a monopoly monopoly that is already a monopoly twice as strong. It's not. It's very much the haves and the have-nots now. I'm not so convinced that it it's would already be that there. Much it's different. already there, but why make it worse? Yeah. I'm not sure it would be that much different. Is my point? I guess. If, you know, if Alabama I can, can only. If fit. I can pay you more to come to Georgia than I can you to go to Michigan. There's a good chance a kid from the projects is going to choose Georgia. Sure. You know, that's not fair. Well, you know. have to have some competitive balance. You're right. But I am I think kids should be able to make money off of their likenesses. Like, I don't necessarily think that there should be... I don't know. It's really it's really tricky. But the other side of the coin is, is that there's about 1, maybe 1% of college athletes that are really, that are really marketable. Like... There's if there's 85 players on a team and there's 130 teams, that's like 10,000. Yeah, players. Ho- household names are like yeah. like the top 10 guys in college football. Right, that's it. Yeah, it would be it would exacerbate the, the haves and have not situations for sure. But I think that tra- allowing a free transfer doesn't necessarily break so, the so system. So then here's here's how you make it even. You make you the schools can't pay them, but they can accept endorsements and endorsements right. the likeness the, making. Making money off of their likeness, like their name, like or, the, or I'm saying, like yeah. Nike can give friggin' right. Tim Tebow's Tim Tebow money sure. while they're in college, right? And yeah, that's that doesn't affect the school you're at. That affects how good of a player you are right. at your school, right? I like that kind of, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I'm sure there's a whole lot of negatives to that area that we could find. Well, the, 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 I think the, the main, head, I think the main good. negative is is that it it widens the gap between the haves and the have-nots, right? Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, that's kind of the way life goes anyway, but you would want to keep it competitive and maybe at risk. Um, all right, so transferring out of the immediate type of um, day-to-day controversy or controversy-ish I mean, type thing. So far, that's it seems like media looking for controversy. Yeah, pretty that's, much. That's mostly what if, I... If you state a fact away. and they find controversy, that's what media days are for. Right, exactly. 
you know, the the funny part of this is that, like, especially um, Michigan State people, I, I always troll the Michigan State boards just to to figure out what their daily complex is with Michigan because they keep always, your enemies close. They they have just a, a massive amount of time and effort devoted to nitpicking everything that's going on with with Michigan. And mm-hmm. one of their their favorite topics is is that. Um, that the program's always in a, in a state of collapse because there's so many players transferring out of Michigan. <laughs> and I think that the thing that Harbaugh is kind of ahead of the curve on with respect to that, you know, if you're in an old school mentality of there's several players transferring out, then yeah, it might seem like that, They're you know, a lot of players, a lot of players don't want to play with Harbaugh or whatever it is. But I think it's more like, you know, Harbaugh says when he recruits you, I, I get the feeling that the that the recruiting pitch is more like, you know, you you come to play here. We'll give you a chance to get on the field. You, you're coming into a meritocracy where everyone's got an equal shot for playing time, and we decide who plays and who's best. And if you w- want to transfer and leave, then that's fine. You know, we want what's best for you. We're not going to oppose your transfer. They haven't blocked it or tried to restrict any transfers since he's been there. Not even to the Big Ten. Like, they no, go wherever they want they, in the Big they've Ten. Got, they've got players that are transferring to the like Brandon Peters just transferred to Illinois, and we, they're on our schedule. That's this, awesome. This week. And so, that, as a player, right. I'm all in on that. Well, that's the if, thing about Harbaugh is he was a player. player. Like, I'd be like, he, he seems to I, see I things go. a lot from the player standpoint. Yeah. Which makes sense. And, and that would be very appealing coming in as a recruit. So for high for high ranked recruits recruits and lower ranked recruits too because you, you yeah. at least you think you're told that you're going to get a shot you can kind of assume a, that you're getting a shot. I'm a, a lower shot. ranked recruit. Okay, so I'm taking a risk going to Michigan because it's a major program. I might not didn't, get to play in my first two out. or three years, but if I develop, if I feel like I'm as good as the guy in front of me and you won't let me play, you're going to let me go. I like it. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of it's this whole thing about allowing a free transfer is in line with that too. I think that kind of helps his recruiting, where he says, it "Should because he, he can he could use yeah. that as a pitch as he's talking to recruits. Like that's right. fantastic. Like we want you here, but if you don't want to be here, you know we're not gonna. We, we still want SEC, what's best for you. SEC, yeah. you are not allowed to transfer within the SEC. Right, right. You are gone. Like if, oh, I don't. You don't like it on this team? Then you can't play for any of them. Which right. is no recruit's gonna look at that and be like, oh, that's great. Right. Yeah. So you know, it's. It, I think it's just kind of a more upfront kind of approach than a lot of teams are stuck with, because especially teams like Michigan State, like they can't afford for people to transfer, especially when they developed them. You know, they're not taking mm-hmm. in top fifteen recruiting classes, so you know they've got to kind of stick with what they got, and you know they like to just bitch about Michigan every chance they get. They like to just bitch about Michigan every chance they get. All right. So. Given our latest controversy, or not as much, uh, I wanted to just kind of touch on the state of the program and state of the union address and, and the Harbaugh regime. So you know, I, I think it's a, it's kind of a, I think it's kind of an overblown kind of talking point with respect to Ohio State. Don't get me wrong; I would like to beat Ohio State, um, and we definitely have to beat Ohio State. Is that the only measuring order. stick? Is well, that- that's the thing. Is that that's like the only measuring stick. I mean, it's it, it's not. It, I it, I have to argue that it's not. Um, and it. But the the point is, is that we haven't beat Ohio State in decades. It's been, it's been a long time since like two thousand four or something. I'll have to double check exactly when. But we hadn't. We hadn't beat Ohio. We beat Ohio State one time on a Brady Hook in twenty eleven when they had an interim head coach Luke Fickle between Jim Trestle and Trestle between sweater vest. Right. Yeah. Um, 
and we hadn't been competitive with Ohio State for about a decade is the point here mm-hmm. before Harbaugh, Harbaugh arrived. And last year, we should have been 100% competitive. Right, should have been. Things went sideways last year. I think it was a mix of poor game planning and some injuries involved on the D-line, and um, things went sideways there. Definitely not happy with that result. Um, but I don't. I can't sit here and say that the state of the program is such that we need to even consider firing Harbaugh and getting someone no. new. Like, I think I feel like he could have done it for another line. like three or four years, even with Urban Meyer still there and still losing. Harbaugh's not going anywhere. Like I, I don't think that's the state of the program by any means. I, I think the state of the program is now: where are we today, and how can we not beat Ohio State? How can we win the Big Ten? That's all that matters. And it's not just because Urban Meyer's gone. It's because that's the goal. Need, yeah, winning the Big Ten, even if it involves a loss to Ohio State, would still represent a step forward, and that would be a step in the right direction for the program, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I still think we need to beat Ohio State. I'm not going to say that we need to beat him within the next year or two or we need to fire Harbaugh because I just don't look at it that way. We need to be competitive and have a chance to win at the end of the game. And, you know, if we if we go to overtime and win and lose three times, I'm not going to sit here and say we need to just press the reset button because you got to be in you got to be at the top of the hill with a chance to win in order to take the next step. So, you know, it'll happen he's, eventually with he, our He's not, you know, I think we look at these coaches as godlike figures in some way where it's like, you know, if he doesn't win, then it's all on him, and that's it. And in some sense, that's right. But you know, 2016, he—I mean, he had the game won essentially. I mean, he's not on the field. He's—he's—he's he's, he's in charge of calling plays and schemes and so forth. But you know, that game was an inch from going our way, and so you know, the coach can put the players in position to win, and then the players have to win. That so, game was decided by referees. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't unbiased know. Was, opinion. <laughs> it was it was a tough one for sure, and you know the th- crazy thing about that game is if they win that game, they more than likely win the Big Ten championship game, and they're in the playoff. And then, you know, mm-hmm. we're not really having this state of the program discussion. Not at all. However, I can pretty make a pretty strong case that there has been you know a level or two upgrade in the program since Harbaugh's got here in twenty twenty fifteen. I know why. I know what you're going to say. What do you want to say? Development. Well, basically, the roster has been upgraded. Like it's a night and day situation. The, I think the best indication of this, because Michigan's always recruited fairly well, always been within a top, you know, averaging fifteen to twenty in recruiting class mm-hmm. um, for, throughout the years before Harbaugh, even too. But I feel like the a lot of the um, or, or at least the Brady Hoke and Rich Rod recruiting staffs uh, or, or coaching staffs that they necess- they didn't necessarily hit on high, even highly rated players. Like they would get decently rated players. I don't feel like they were really all that good at identifying talent that they could develop. Um, they were getting reasonably decent recruiting classes, but weren't putting it all together. So I think the they're best... going for the higher rated players, but not the like sneaky guys that Harbaugh's getting. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they were they were trying not, not to the, do both. I think the they Khalid, were trying. Khalid I think Hudson's I think and... they were also going after players that they thought they could develop. I just don't think that they were all that great at developing them, yeah. too. And okay. and the high rated players that they got, yeah. they weren't really able to develop even, them even, as, quite as well. Either. Even five stars, if you don't have development, you got nothing. 
I mean, you you got freaking Aubrey Solomon's just falling through the. I mean, every day if if you got no development, you know. Right. I think the best. I think the best way I can illustrate this is that um, is the draft picks, um, the NFL draft before Harbaugh got here and the years in the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years before Harbaugh, from from twenty fifteen to twenty to two thousand nine, there had been. 18 draft picks in the set that seven years. Well, in the four years that Harbaugh has been here, 16 uh, through 11 19. 11 in one year, I know that. There's been 21 draft picks. Yeah, holy shit. So it's not even really a comparison. You know, you could, you, you know, a devil's advocate argument might be, well, in 2017, one of those 11 draft picks, he didn't recruit those players. Those were players that he inherited, but he also developed them for two years. Yeah. So, you know, he deserves at least partial credit for that. that that's, that's completely based on development, 100%. Right, 100% develop. Well, but the devil's advocate would be, well, you know, the previous staff picked players that, that were no. going to develop anyway. But, but then why yeah. didn't they do better in the years prior? Right, exactly. Yeah, they were averaging. It looks like they didn't, in the in the seven years before Harbaugh got there, they, they never had more than three players drafted in the NFL draft since Harbaugh's got there one year they had two players the rest of the years they had five 11 and three so he's obviously developing um players at a rate that was you know maybe double the the coaching staff before him um so I don't think that's even really a debatable point um the roster is completely upgraded and that's really the only way you can catch up to Ohio State. You're not going to be able to beat them on a consistent basis, you know, by having a, a, an inferior roster. You got to be playing on their level, and maybe we're not all the way at their level, but we're at least in the ballpark to where we've got a shot. So this is the pro Harbaugh show. I like it. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm still. In, I was just looking at on, more on Team Harbaugh here. More to come. I mean, I am too. Yeah. I'm. I'm not. I'm bummed that he didn't get the shot at beating Meyer. I wanted him to beat Meyer and then Meyer yeah, and like does. implode like he always does because you knew it was coming eventually. But I, I just kind of wanted it to happen more on the field. But, I mean, I, I still just beating Ohio State is going to be. Yeah. I'm not sad that Ar- that Urban Meyer left for sure. So, so, it would have been so nice to win. enough just to yeah. beat them, you know, anyways. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that was the kind of the next point is, is that if we look at the record – before Harbaugh, we can look at the seven years from 2008 to 2014. Overall record, 46 and 42. That is a whopping 52% 52% winning percentage. Um, with years with years that included three and nine, five and seven, two years of five and seven. So we're talking about three years here. In the past seven, in the seven years before Harbaugh, that didn't even include winning records. Two years of seven and six. Seven and six. One, one year, year of eleven and, and two. Good. One year of eleven and two, and and the rest of that those seven years, no, no more than eight wins. That is a bleak decade. Yeah, the, that, and, that is a rough decade. And and the people that that are complaining about Harbaugh not beating Ohio State and saying that he needs to be on the hot seat and saying that there's all this turmoil that that the program hasn't moved forward and all this i guess they just forgot about the decade before that i'm not quite sure what you know the basis of criticism here well tell them tell them now under harbaugh 
Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, I'll get to that. 46 and 42. Under Harbaugh, 38 and 14. That's a 73% winning percentage. What's the 3 and 16? Yeah, so the uh, record versus um, Penn State, Michigan State, and Ohio State in the seven years before Harbaugh. 3 and 16, which is two wins against, <laughs> one win against each. Penn State, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Three and sixteen in seven years against who are now considered your main rivals. Penn State kind of gradually became a main rival over that seven years, um, but you, you you're kidding yourself if you're not thinking about the decade before he got here. Now, since he's got here um, against Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan State, he's five and seven. And that is mainly due to being 0-4 versus Ohio State. He's 2-2 two and two against Michigan State, and he should be 3-1, and one, not counting that punt drop. Um, yep. He's 3-1 and one against Penn State. So, you know, Ohio State is the final frontier here. Um, it's it's a, a, a threshold that we need to cross over. Oh, either way, it's 38-14. and 14. It's thirty-eight and fourteen, as, as compared to, to barely over fifty percent winning percentage. Forty-six and, especially, and forty-two. Yeah, I mean, if you are, uh, I mean, if you're a below-average Power Five team, you should be able to go seven and six, or at least six and six, right? I mean, we're averaging basically seven and six, and that's ins- that's insane. I mean, we're supposedly a blue blood program. Who is you know one of the his? I mean, they're they're four of our. You're averaging seven. And well, six. Michigan's now, still now. You're averaging like what eight and five or nine and four. No. Yeah, we've got three three? <laughs> three years of ten and three and one of eight and five. Yeah, so probably averaging like so that's like nine nine point five something. Yeah, wins something like a year. that. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, if I not mean, ten. You're looking at, you know, people are judged by their record against their rivals. And, yeah, that's a, definitely one of the main factors here. But you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. If, if you, you know, who are you going to hire that's better than Harbaugh at this point? I don't know who's of anyone. Who's got above 73% win percentage? Who's going who's gonna to recruit quarterbacks to come in like, like, get, like, like gathering candy out from a pinata. I mean, yeah. no, the, who, who has the depth at quarterback that Michigan has right now with the transfer portal going on? Right. That is our next. That is our next topic of conversation. We can kind of jump did, straight into that. Did I um, segue on? Yeah, you on had a nice, a nice segue. I didn't even mean to. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm confident with the state of the program. I'm not worried about. You know, I'm not worried about. It imploding. I would like to beat Ohio State. I hope we beat Ohio State. I will probably have a conniption if we don't, but I'm not going to be irrational and say that we need to just fire Harbaugh and, and hit the reset button if we can't beat Ohio State it this year. Because it will not happen. He's got another 10 years if he wants them. At the rate we're going, I, I can't disagree with you. It would be nice to, to win the Big Ten. He, and to, he, he could lose... Four more years in a row to Ohio State, and I don't think he loses his job. Well, I don't know. I, I think he's got to win the Big Ten and make it to the playoff within the next five years. I think yeah. that would be it. Would be a little bit crazy if he we weren't it's, able to do that. It would, yeah. It would when, be an indication he, to me that we can't five take the next years, step. He's not going in the next step. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's why I said four years. But I th- but you know, <laughs> looking at every indication here with the roster and the record against your rivals, there you know you can't. It's a clear step forward, and so. Pretending otherwise is just dumb. All right, so people that don't remember the past. 
Yeah, so we can kind of transfer, transition into uh, looking at this next, this uh, upcoming season here. Um, not going to do the game by game preview today. We will do that in a later date. Um, looking, f- I'm really just on a side note, really kind of uh, excited about how the schedule works out. Got uh, Notre Dame at home, Michigan State at home, Ohio State at home, um, Iowa. We have to play them, but that's at home. Um, the, only the the really a lot of good home games. Man. Yeah, <laughs> and it, which should be good for recruiting, right? <laughs> yeah, the uh, that never the, hurts. The tar- the toughest um, away games we have is Penn State and Wisconsin, um, and both those teams. You know, I'm not sure Penn State is really going to be quite at the level that they were at the beginning of James Franklin's tenure there. They don't have. I haven't really heard the same kind of spunk the last couple years in recruiting from him. It's just it hasn't been like even when Harbaugh first started. Like he remember we were saying earlier, like how he was always in the news. He was always making some kind of buzz. So was Franklin, Mm -hmm. and so was Franklin in recruiting. And I just Mm -hmm. I haven't heard. Yeah, they've been doing. They've been recruiting well. Penn State has because Franklin's a good recruiter. Yeah. However, it used to be a big mainstream thing on signing day, and like they had Mm -hmm. their own little like like Mm -hmm. room. Yeah, no, they've been recruiting fine. I think the problem is is that they have been losing a ton of transfers, uh, including like starters and they've such. Been, they've been purging players, and um, they just and they they'll they have a new quarterback. Trace McSorley is gone, so you know they're going to have to figure something out there. Supposedly they have a, a decent recruit, which I expect they will. But you know he's, he'll be a freshman. Their uh, backup quarterback from last year, Tommy Stevens, has um, transferred out to Mississippi State. I think. Um, so, you know, I think that they will have a, a decent defense. They've got some players on defense, but, I, you know, they're not quite what they were when we lost decent, them in 2017. running back got recruited right after Saquon. Uh, and uh, they also got Noah Kane last year, I believe. Yeah, Ricky Slade and Ricky. Miles Sanders is off to the uh, is gone, I believe. Yeah, Miles is gone, and, and uh, but Noah Kane was legit. He's he's a, yeah. a solid – I'm not going to say he's a burner or anything, but he's he's a – Nick Chubb-esque type running back. He's yeah. Not, he's not I super mean, they're, fast, they'll but... be fine. They'll be they're a solid team. They just don't scare me like they did with Saquon Barkley and Joe Moorhead and well, no. uh, and Trace McSorley. They, yeah. You know, and, and Gesicki. McSorley is like the classic like fantastic college quarterback. Not going to be nothing in the NFL. Yeah, they do not have the offense that they did when when they beat us in 2017. So I'm. I'm not worried that that's going to happen. I do think it's going to be didn't a good he, didn't game. Didn't switch the slot or something? Like, or he's, he's trying to learn some completely different position in the NFL now? Uh, yeah, I think I think something like that. I think they tried to make him switch positions, but he wasn't too interested in that. So Penn State's sure. they're, they're 12th right now in recruiting. So little, yeah, they, they recruit fine. You know, they've got players. I I'm, I'm just I don't think that they're really seasoned in the important position groups at this point and i'm not and james franklin doesn't scare me as an in-game tactician either um he's Mm -hmm. not he's not the kind of guy that's going to x and o you to death so really not worried about that too much um so yeah so so outlook is solid um did i mention also notre dame at home that was a a big one yeah that'll be a big game and i'm glad it's not going to be the first game of the season that was um really annoying um yeah, it would have been nice to have a couple warm up games, especially for Patterson. You kind of want to find first. out who you are before you play like the, one of the biggest games of your season. Yeah, kind of excited. Which turned out to be because Notre Dame made the freaking playoffs, and I think they made the playoffs basically based off of beating Michigan. Because who else did they beat? Yeah, they played like um, a bunch of ACC teams, yeah, not including they, Clemson. They didn't beat anybody noteworthy other than Michigan, which is just silly. But 
Yeah, so so look very much looking forward to the schedule. Schedule is going to be solid. Um, I want to kind of just run through and talk about some of the position groups Notre that Dame, Notre Dame's fifth right now in recruiting. Yeah, yeah, and they've always recruited well. That, that's going to be a, a solid game. We may be um, we may be uh, the underdog in that game. I'm not sure, but uh, but it'll be a close game. I'm glad it's at home. Uh, they do still have a quarterback. We'll get more into that. I want to talk about the position groups that I have the most confidence in and the position groups that I have the least confidence in. Um, may I guess I'll just I'll start with the the least confidence. Uh, we'll do the bad news first and then and then transition over to the good news. Um, so I have number one position group of most concern as defensive line and you know, you may be surprised to hear that considering that there's been solid development and performance at the defensive line, um, for basically the entire tenure of, of, of Harbaugh in the last several solid years. development. But I mean, I guess like the bigger name guys, a couple of them, I mean, people left or went to the, went to the league had know, some, or, or transferred yeah, out. Yeah. Had some higher rated guys that transferred out or, or that, uh, went left for the NFL early last year. Uh, well, Rashawn Gary is one, and then Chase Winovich went to the draft last year. He he was a fifth-year senior, so it wasn't necessarily in the same class. Um, but we do still have uh, we have uh, Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson. Hutchinson's highly rated. Uh, I think he was ninety-five-ish, and he played a fair amount last year. He he didn't quite have a whole year's worth of gas in him last year, but in the games he played, played really well. Um, so I'm looking, I'm fairly confident that he can step in, um, and perform, um, at, uh, reasonably close to the Rashawn Gary level, at least in terms of, um, setting the edge and, and, you know, kind of doing the dirty work, um, pushing the pocket around and so forth. I think he's going to be a solid, uh, edge setter, uh, an edge, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, um, Quiddy Pay is going to be solid. I don't think that he's necessarily an explosive, um, disruptive player in terms of pass rush and so forth. He's adequate at it, I would say. He had a few sacks last year, um, so I don't think I'm not necessarily as concerned about the the defensive edge players. Joshua Uche, Luigi Villain. Pay, Pay was a lower rated three-star kind of so yeah we're yeah working which on development i i do imagine that he's going to become a draft pick as well at, you know after this that year be impressive, yeah. he, he actually he would be an early entrant after this year as well i think he is only a junior this year so he would be i think it's likely he sticks around for a that, senior that goes year towards their ability to you know find the diamonds in the rough kind of situation yeah i mean pay uh josh uche he led the team in sacks last year as a pass rush specialist he he i expect will play a lot on third downs perhaps we'll see if he has the you know the the horsepower to to play on an every down basis he, he would be a solid definitely a solid backup at the um the weak side defensive end position where he played last year uh, he's also a lower-rated three-star um, who is more than likely going to develop into an NFL draft pick as well. Kemp, Kemp was a four-star, at least. I mean, I mean, not like a highly-rated four-star or anything. But yeah, so so Uche, Valena West, Julius Welshoff, I think, are the are the edge players. And then I think... Oh, the, we're on edge, sorry. Yeah, edge is fine. I was just finishing up on edge. And then I jumped I think, right to the middle. That's okay. The the middle is kind of where I'm a little bit more concerned. Um, Kemp transitioned last year from being kind of a liability to being serviceable 
Um, 6'3", 280. Played yeah. a fair amount last year and was decent. Is not a, is not a pass rusher from the interior. Uh, we had kind of been spoiled by um, Ryan Glasgow and then Mo Hurst as being really above average pass rushers from the interior defensive line position. Don't think we necessarily have that on the roster this year. Definitely, I'm not expecting that out of Carlo Kemp. Although, if he keeps kind of no. the gradual improvement, that would, Dumbledore that would be either. helpful. <laughs> yeah, my, Michael Michael Dumbledore, Michael Dwumfor, I think probably has the highest upside of the returning players uh, from from a pass rush perspective. He was a little bit of a liability in um, run support. Six two two eighty five. Um, I mean, he should be able to. Yeah, he should be plug some holes. You think that's a big boy? You know, he, he should be able to continue to develop. He should be fine. I expect him. He'll be fine. Another um, a low rated three star eighty four. Um, yeah, yeah. So I expect they'll be they'll be solid, if not high ceiling prospects. I think they're they're high floor prospects. I expect they'll be, you know, at least average. You know, I don't not not sure if average at that position gets us where we need to be this year as far as you know end of season performance. But you know they'll have the year to improve. Donovan Jeter, I think, is kind of in the tweener. He's the he's the returning player, other than those two, with the most experience at that position. And then um, Chris, six, he's six three three oh eight, so he's he's definitely like an anchor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got bodies there. I, you know, I'm just it's just a matter of whether they've got what they need in order to make it to the next level. And the other issue is is that behind those two players in the two deep is freshmen. Um, mm-hmm. They are highly rated freshmen. Chris Hinton, a uh, five-star out of Georgia, is, um, is I think he's a high-ceiling player, a, a high-floor player. I think he'll be a, a consistent player. I just don't know. You don't know think that. he's going to beat out any of those guys in front of him? Um, not really. I, I I wouldn't bet on it. I mean, I think that um, you know, not freshman even, not even, even if in too deep. Well, no, I think he's definitely going to be a backup. He's a back. He's a great. Yeah, backup. yeah. He's definitely definitely going to be in a two deep. I think, and that's just based on lack of numbers there. I would hope so. What did, what did his brother end up doing? Was he? I know yeah, Miles Hilton. He's committed to Stanford still. Oh, uh, okay. He's apparently still. I'm sure everyone's still still recruiting him, so I think there's still a, there's still an outside chance, but I think he's pretty committed to Stanford. And if he, he's ba- like I his knew, brother, I, I thought if he did go anywhere else, it was going to be Michigan. But I knew he was interested in Stanford. But yeah, I thought I thought Michigan had a shot because they got his big bro. Yeah, I know. I know they're not, they haven't given up on it. I'm sure they're still recruiting him, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, Hint, Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith, I think, are your your backups in the uh, interior defensive line and. Um, They'll have, definitely have opportunity to contribute uh, as freshmen. I'm just hoping that they won't be relied upon to contribute um, I mean, as but freshmen. But if they are, say Hinton, Hinton is that guy and he, he you know, earns his spot, I, I like it. Sure, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. If he, bumps, I guess. if he bumps somebody because he's that much better, then yeah, you know, I, by all means. you know. I, I think that um, defensive tackle and defensive line in general is just not necessarily a, a position that a, a freshman coming from a high school conditioning situation comes in and, and, you know, dominates and maybe overtakes some more established and older and, and, you know, more experienced player that's been in a college conditioning program at least for, you know, for a couple of years. So if he, if he does it great, I'm all for it. I, I just, I think that the odds of that happening are, you know, very slim. I'm not, I'm not expecting it. Although I do expect that they will be needed to contribute. So hopefully they can get a good rotation going. You know, if they can have 
five interior defense defensive linemen rotating um that'd be great you know if they're all getting relatively equivalent um performance out of them and then the younger players are kind of allowed to use that performance to to grow and to develop that's great i think i think that'll be a good good situation um so that's defensive line that was the 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 position group i'm most concerned about the least confidence about the next position group there uh would be running back uh did he have this the least okay hold on so the, the most you were worried about was the defensive line yeah second okay. most i'm worried about is running back i'm with you okay yeah i would have gone running back first i feel like running back is a huge question mark for michigan especially after watching the the spring game or at least the first half spring game here earlier i just i don't know i i, I see a bunch of uh smaller lower rated guys charbonnet didn't play obviously uh you know how i feel about charbonnet it's elite beyond elite i think he should have been the number one running back last cycle uh, other than him i don't know i think i think the reason that i put defensive line higher is is because i think you can get away having just regular guys at running back as opposed to having a game breaker is not as big a liability as just having regular guys at defensive line yeah, you know, well, I don't want to get you pushed. put a bigger priority on the lines of scrimmage than you do your skill players, right? Which I, makes sense. I understand that, right? Yeah, but but other than I mean, Turner's pretty good. Uh, Charbonnet's I think elite, but what's up with him? He's, he's he didn't play in the spring game. He's hurt. He's he had a knee. He just had a knee scope from high school, and they wanted to hold him out of the spring to make sure that he'd be ready in the fall. Is he gonna be ready? Yeah, they they said. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. He just had a knee scope. Say know. he's not good to go for a couple games, and he comes <laughs> he will be. He just had a knee scope. He could have he could have gone in the spring, but they wanted to keep him for the fall. He comes back for Notre Dame first game. Uh, I wouldn't. I, as long as he runs over Notre Dame, I'm not going to be mad about it. Whoever he runs against, he's going to run over. But I just man, I I'm a little bit. He's a little thin at running back for me. Yeah, it's definitely know? thin. Um, Christian Turner performed well against Florida. Um, He's a little bit banged up in the spring. I feel like what we were talking about earlier. It seemed like everyone that had a hangnail was kept out of the uh, the spring game. So mm-hmm. I'm not really. It seemed like there was really not a whole lot of emphasis placed on the spring game. And True I think Wilson they said played that, though, right? Um, True Wilson played a little bit. Yeah, a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I remember seeing him. He's he's a little bit smaller. A little uh, smaller. He's not a bruiser. He's he's shifty and he can you know he can he, he can run north and south and and get you a couple yards falling forward and so you know he's he's not going to run away from anybody. He's definitely not like NFL prospect five, style. Five ten uh, two oh two. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a little bit of a third down scat back. So yeah. he'll be able to service. He'll be serviceable at position, but he's not going to be kind of a, a game breaker. So. So yeah, expecting to need uh, Zach Charbonnet or Christian Turner to kind of um, establish themselves as the rock toter and you know be productive, break tackles and such. Um, so you know, lot to, lot to be seen. I think it was it was interesting and perhaps concerning uh, that Harbaugh mentioned that if they don't have anybody else to go, um, that they could just use Cleek Hudson and linebacker Jordan Anthony. There you go. running back. <laughs> I think he was being a little sarcastic and trying What's, to just Haskins? tweak everybody. Hassan? Yeah, Hassan Haskins. Yeah, I forgot He's to mention He's an outside linebacker, isn't he? Um, he had been kind of switching, uh, but they have him back at running back. He was originally recruited as a running back. 
Um, okay. They also had Michael Barrett. 6'1", 212, so a little bit more size. Not, not a ton, but I mean a little more. Yeah, he's more he's more the shape of a running back. I'm mm-hmm. still not, I, I don't necessarily think that he's um, he, he's kind of a, a project type. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a, a game breaker or NFL draft pick type level running back, but I think he he could definitely stick his nose in there and he's get got, you he's some got hard the body yards. For it. I mean, six one two twelve is a, is same as a lot of the elite running backs that we're going to have this season. Yeah, he was kind of an under the radar prospect, so hopefully he'll have a he'll definitely have a chance to contribute. Um, so yeah, Turner, Wilson, Charbonnet, Haskins is pretty much your your four running back game, candidates. Game four, who's the starting running back? Uh, hopefully it's Zach Charbonnet. I hope hopefully so too. it's Charbonnet and Christian Turner. I hope so, too, because I'm going to pick him on my fantasy team in the first round. <laughs> Charbonnet. <laughs> yeah, I expect he'll be good. I, I, ex- I don't expect that they will have the same volume of carries, uh, that he'll get the same volume of carries that Karan Higdon did last year, um, just because mm-hmm. of the different scheme. So, you know, that's good, I think, for a incoming freshman and maybe a thin running back room is that they're going to rely on some more quick passing type offensive scheme and then they'll run out of the spread um, you want to talk about chris evans at all or well he's just suspended so there's not really much to talk about he's is, is he suspended or he gone he's suspended he's okay gonna, he's supposedly going to come back next year he all wa- right he wants to come back next year and so basically we'll just off of the the grades yeah it's something academically related not really the the specific reason isn't really public but He's suspended for the year by the university as opposed to by the program. That's, that's a major blow because he would have been automatic, possibly one or two yeah, running back. Yeah, it is pretty unfortunate because he would have been a perfect fit in the offense too. You know, not a um, not a bruiser, um, but very shifty, um, really good hands out of the backfield. When com- compared to the size of a lot of the others other than Charbonnet, I mean, he's one of the bigger backs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he, he was six foot two ten at least. I'd say right. Yep, I think he was up to two fifteen or so last yeah. year. Um, so yeah, definitely a big loss. Um, but hopefully he'll be able to contribute next year. I think we'll be all right. I, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about running back, but also I think that there is, I think there's a lot of kind of exaggerated concern about it too because you're not gonna. I don't feel like you're gonna win or lose games based on who's playing running back for you. Um, I feel like you got to, you know, you, maybe you can. Maybe you can sustain offense based on who's running, playing running back for it you. It helps a th- lot. <laughs> if, you, if you got a back that can guarantee get you three or four yards, no matter if he's getting hit in the backfield or not, you only got one yard left to go. So I mean, I I think I'm just because I'm a running backs guy. I think if you have an elite running back, it can decide whether you win or lose games. Sure, but it's not like we have to have. It's not like. We have nothing else other than running backs either. I mean, we got a returning quarterback. We got plenty of receivers. Legitimate we have returning a, quarterback. We have a scheme to um, take advantage of all the receivers. I expect the majority of the snaps will be three and four wide. I don't expect there'll be very many snaps with only two receivers on the field. Um, so or many, very many snaps with only snaps with only two tight ends on the field. Yeah, I don't expect there'll be hardly any snaps with two tight ends on the field. That actually, there probably will be Without, some. There will be. But doubled up. yeah, but but you know, th- if this were this situation last year, I'd probably be about twice as concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were looking at the same 
the same returning well, because last year you, you didn't have the same quarterback play that you're right we didn't know what, we didn't year. know about quarterback play and we didn't so, have so la- a, la- a new scheme last year we wanted the running backs to make up for the lack there or question mark at quarterback and now and, now and the receiver. quarterback's going to make up for and receiver yeah exactly yeah. and receiver is deep so yeah the, the return the receivers last year would have been sophomores and still jury was out a little bit on them but i feel like i don't even think you could of, possibly put a concern for wide receivers there's no concerns in my brain at wide receiver <laughs> unless yeah. a bunch of people get injured we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to wide receiver they may be on the other side of the list remember we're, we're only getting through our most concerned this is, this is the, that's the least concern Right, right. <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah. So the third position group, the third, mm, the third most concerning position group I have listed is the secondary. Um, I think that we are we should be fine at safety. Josh Metellus returning. We were talking about lower rated players who I expect to be NFL draft picks. I expect Josh Metellus will be a draft pick. He was a a low three star prospect. Um, I expect that he will. You think he was, Hill was not. He was uh, all Big Ten last year, I believe. Josh Martellus was uh, so returning player. You know, steady force in the in the backfield. I expect he'll be fine. Um, we've got options there with uh, Brad Hawkins and Jamaric Woods. Martellus was at eighty five, right? Two four seven. Yep. Brad Hawkins and Jamaric Woods uh, are, you know, hopefully they can take another step in development. They, you know, I, Brett Hawkins, I I don't worry about. I think he'll be fine. I'm not sure who the safety options are behind Metellus and Hawkins besides Jameric Woods and an incoming freshman he's a big Daxon safety. Hill. Six two two thirteen. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's solid. He's a good he's a good player. He he got victimized on that Notre Dame play where it was a jump ball and he should have picked mm-hmm. it off, but he let this five ten receiver kind of jump up and grab it. So hopefully he is. He, hopefully he'll never let that happen again. <laughs> yeah. um, he was a solid player last year, so I'm not worried about him on the back end. Uh, Jameric Woods, a little bit more of a liability in coverage, uh, seems to be fine in, in run support, and they nickname him Woods because he brings the wood on hit. I'm not sure if you're allowed to have a nickname that's the same as your name. But... Not sure. Is it a nickname? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that qualifies as nickname. Six three two ten. he's solid. Yeah. So our starters at safety should be fine, especially if Daxon Hill is able to to mix in there. Um, there was some talk of Daxon Hill playing nickel too to get on the field. Um, so you know that could be a kind of a. a I remember a, him; he was high, highly rated, wasn't he? Yeah, five star. Yeah, he he was number one safety. He was uh, supposedly based on what Nick Saban said. He was one of the he was like the best safety is ever recruited or something to that effect. Something really extreme praise from Nick Saban um, on Daxon Hill. So you know I'm not sure that he's going to be an All American player as a freshman. I would expect not. I'm not sure he would be an All Big Ten player as a freshman. I expect not. But if he can, can kind of contribute in the rotation and then be in a position to you know be a really solid player by the end of the year, um, that would be great. Especially since he is extremely fast, and maybe he will help mitigate the Ohio State situation that we saw last year with the the secondary matchup. Um, Absolutely. Looks like at corner we'll have Levert Hill back. He's he set out the spring, but he has I think he set out three springs in a row with some type of injury. <laughs> Looks and like like the secondary is a little more upgraded. 
if you ask me, than a lot of other positions so far. The secondary is it's a it's an area of concern, but it's a lot of it's an area that has a lot of higher rated players. Yeah, some higher rated players, and and also throwing there Vincent Gray, who's a lower rated player, who seems to be the second corner at this point, or the projected second corner, um, given that we just re- we just learned that Ambry Thomas um, is been have dealing with some type of undisclosed illness or injury and has apparently lost some weight and may not be ready for the beginning of the season which is concerning since we're you know we're still what 40 days out or so um i expect that he'll hopefully make it back um to contribute after the first couple of weeks you know it seemed to me like maybe mono could be some that something that kind of fits that. I know that's kind of a weight loss thing and, and you kind of got to get back in shape and it's not a short term type of illness. No. So hasn't been disclosed what it officially is. I'm just speculating that could be a contributing factor there. So, so looks like we'll need, there'll be a battle for the second corner. Um, hopefully we'll figure that out. I think we've got some options there. So, um, so we should be all right there. Don't even really have to play any um, threatening passing teams in the first several weeks of the season either. So I, you know, whoever whoever is going to be penciled into that position will have some have some time to kind of get acclimated. They're not going to get throughout in the season get roasted by Notre Dame at the beginning of this year. So that'll be good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you know relatively i would say you know there's some concern given these three position groups d-line running back and secondary um but you know out of 10 considering them all together i really have to kind of put my concern level at about maybe a six you know it's possible that there could be a glaring weakness a couple weeks into the season however i think we've got time to ramp up as far as the competition goes and so you know i expect there there's at least several bodies you know, some candidates in there to to take a, uh, you know, have the opportunity to step up and kind of solidify themselves as solid contributors. Um, you have any you have any thoughts about how concerned we should be with these with these problem spots? Uh, D line for sure a little bit because that's always I mean that's their foundation like we talked about earlier. Um, they got enough guys where somebody's going to step up. I think running back is really thin. Uh, I think the secondary will be fine. I think there's enough talent in the secondary. Mainly, I'm running back is my big question because if Charbonnet's not healthy, AJ Turner, he's kind of he could be the guy and he might have an explosive year. We'll see. But if he doesn't, and Charbonnet's not 100% or gets re-injured or you know just not not quite the guy that we think he's going to be, then I'm thinking running back is extremely thin. And it's just because I think that you should have at least four pretty solid running backs, you know, and I don't think that they have that. I think they have two maybes, which means to me extremely thin. Well. Thin. But but I guess my thought on that is that if you go over two on Turner and Charbonnet, which is pretty unlikely then, to happen, then you're stuck with Wilson. Well, but, but first of all, that's really unlikely to happen to go over two on those it two. It could happen. Could happen. Anything could happen. It could happen. Don't feel like they're going to go over two there. Um, and True Wilson, or just not an, a... an injury to either Charbonnet or Turner is what I'm really saying. Sure. And then you're. You know, with just Turner or just Arvinet and then Wilson, 
know. And Haskins. Yeah. If if something bad happens, then we could end up with just a guy at running back. Yeah. And one one injury, you're thin. Right. I mean, it's already kind of thin. You're extremely thin with one. But let's say they go two for two with Turner. Uh, and then Kevin they're fine. Right. Then they could be okay. They'll be fine. Yeah. And I think the odds of them going two for two are just as good as them go- even going one well, for and, two. And we're talking about a freshman being the guy. So let's wait. Right. And, see. and I'm not even considering that he'll be the the guy. I'm just or considering if a, if he solid number if, two or three. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just expecting him to be helpful, healthy, and getting in the rotation in the first three or so games. And then you know, like we said, if he by was a game four. Commodity last year, I'd be less concerned. But now sure. that's another concern. Is is he going to be what we think he's going to be? You know. Sure. I think even if we default to Wil- to True Wilson as on Haskins, then you know we are, I, I still feel like the ceiling on our team isn't severely damaged, given that we should have. You know, we should be able to pass to set up the run. But if but if Charbonnet's the guy and he really is the guy, then the ceiling is the ceiling significantly raised. Sure. Yeah, agree with that for sure. Like so. If he's one of those like backs that Michigan hasn't seen in a couple of years, you know. Yeah, we, we narrowly avoided him becoming a five star, which was good because we hadn't had good luck with five star running, I mean, running backs. It's good as of recent history, but he <laughs> deserved to be a five star. Yeah, I don't it was think silly that he wasn't. I don't think he was sweating about it. He didn't I seem feel to like, be too crazy like about the recruiting who rated process. Rated him or who were in charge of rating him did not watch the film. Well, that and he didn't go to camps and such. He didn't really care about the process. So remember, remember he, didn't, one, he didn't play the game. That one shot where he hit that freaking kid and it looked like a kid just evaporated into the ground. Yeah, remember it, it just like did like a helicopter just, into the end zone. No, he hit yeah. him and the guy. It just like he. It wasn't. There was no resistance. He hit him and he was just running. He wasn't trying to crush him. And the guy's just body went down so fast into the ground, it looked like he became part of the ground. <laughs> and then I, then the ambulance came. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Right That's after what, that, it was yeah, like, yeah. oh, my God. That was, and he's just running. He's not trying to Yeah, run, I remember right? watching that game. It was like they went to commercial after that because the guy was laying on the, on the ground. They went to commercial. They came back from commercial covered it for a few more minutes he was still laying on the ground they went back to commercial he became part the of the grass and the ambulance was there he made his helmet yeah. part of the grass that it was, was really brutal crazy i was like that should not happen to a high school kid yeah that was really brutal. that was awful <laughs> it was criminal and it's charbonnet just being himself that's what he does he's a beast he's fast he's big he's elusive he can catch he can do it all yep so Absolutely. he'll be fine I'm not too worried about it. As long as he's healthy for the first several weeks, we'll be good. All right, moving over to the position groups we are most confident about. Um, I have it listed right here at the top, quarterback. Um, 100%. I concur. Yeah, and it seems like we've we've crossed into a new day and age with like we talked about with the transfers and everything, and we kind of mentioned it earlier, but um, it seems like a pretty rare luxury to have two viable starters on your roster. That's almost unheard of now. Now, now you're lucky if you got a good, decent, solid like JUCO guy or someone who transferred in from somewhere else, or or if maybe you got a fifth year senior about to graduate, you might have that one like coming in freshman recruit that's pretty mm-hmm. solid yeah you might be able to get away with it for a year to where you've got one outgoing and one in because they know you got somebody yeah. leaving and they have to leave yeah but there's no like back and back-to-back studs yeah that are close in the same year you know 
Yeah, and it's, you know, we'll see how this affects kind of the way quarterback is recruited because, you know, back in the day it used to be you'd get at least one per class, sometimes two, right? And now, you you know, in the last 10 years or so it would be you want to get one per class. And now, Now you have to get one almost every year just because you're worried about transferring. Right, yeah. And, and Michigan has had that. And, and, of course, they've had the transfers out of stuff. But, I mean, you still have – Shea, who was, what, one year over McCaffrey? Hmm. Uh, uh, no, Maca- after this year, McCaffrey, McCaffrey will have two years after so this. So that's fantastic yeah. news. So McCaffrey hopefully won't transfer because those years match up. Yeah, yeah, I don't expect he will. Fan- really good. Milton is a... Milton will have one year after McCaffrey, I it, believe. So it, it lines up, which is rare and hard to do. Yeah, it, it is. And, I, and I'm still, I wouldn't bet my life that Milton won't transfer. Especially if they do, you know, get them some time. They what well, they also said that they're they're going to stiffen the transfer ab- availability. They're going to make it harder. You got to have a legitimate reason to transfer now. Yeah, we'll the see. latest I've heard. There's there's less gray, and it's going to be more likely that you'll sit out. But yeah, we'll see. They hadn't decided. As if far did, as... if it had been last year and you wanted to transfer last year, I'd have said yeah, he probably could have. But now I don't know. Without any penalty of sitting. Yeah, so really, really exciting to we'll be really excited to see Patterson in year two with you know with having chemistry with his receivers and and his offensive line and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but also having him run in a true kind of spread uh, attack with you know built-in RPOs and such. We saw some of that last year in a really limited way, and when they whipped it out, it seemed to work really well. It just, just kind of didn't. It wasn't a, a core of their scheme, so they didn't seem to go to it as much as maybe they should have. What I want to see is Patterson, because obviously his passing ability is is superior to McCaffrey's, but McCaffrey's running ability is silly better than anyone yeah. in college, probably. Yeah, Patterson is a decent runner. Because I think mostly because he's sneaky with the um, with the zone read, like handoff fake. Like he's super sneaky with the ball handling. But yeah, I mean he's he's not super fast. He makes good decisions on when to pull it, so he can be really effective on like a third down and two situation yeah. to where he can scramble for the first down. But yeah, he's he McCaffrey's running ability is on another level than he's, Patterson's. McCaffrey's freaking an elite athlete. So if he wants to take off, you start seeing those le- those six foot five legs come up, you know, behind him, and it's he's just flying like a freaking deer. So I think they should use them both consistently. And we're talking, I'm like every at least every drive, bring in McCaffrey to keep the defenses honest, and they have to worry about, oh no, this guy might take off. You know? Yeah. And if he can pass, which he can, occasionally trick him with a, a little over the top. You know. Yeah, certainly not opposed to that. You know, you kind of run into that old saying: if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. But, you know, so I don't know that I necessarily agree that they should switch him that much. Maybe, you know, I think they, they are going to mix it up. Um, but, you know, Harbaugh, Harbaugh sounded like the, he's considering it. Sounded like it. He also, he also you know, he, he is also very capable of coach speak himself. You know, yeah. he does a lot of, uh, it's always going to be a quarterback competition. And he's, maybe he's now cap- it is. Capable but. of saying anything. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, but the point of it is very, um, very fortunate and confident having two um, very capable quarterbacks as best, opposed to just best one. Best case scenario, Patterson has an, an amazing year and gets 
highly drafted. I think that would that would do wonders for recruiting at quarterback because I think this, like I said last season, it's it's Patterson is the first time he's had a like kind of next tier quarterback at Michigan. I think you know it's, I I thought he was the first one that was kind of an elite quarterback that Harbaugh was going to get to coach. Right, like the first recruit that he had was Brandon Peters, who played a couple games two years ago and then didn't play much last year. Actually, he played one game and threw one pass, and it was picked. I would say lots of development at other positions, but quarterback, the, what you thought Harbaugh was going to be, because he played quarterback and he taught Andrew Luck, you know, you thought he's he's going to develop quarterbacks all day. He's going to be the quarterback whisperer, mm-hmm. and I, I just don't see it so far, and I think if Patterson finally kicks that off, it's going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a, definitely a down year. He already has had one drafted at Michigan, Jake Rudock, which came out of kind of nowhere. He's a transfer from Iowa because he got beat out and he was able to kind of get him trans get him drafted. It was late, but still got drafted. But yeah, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't developed one that he's recruited at Michigan yet. Um Yeah. There's been too much like mixing and matching and too many Well, it's also been it takes 4 years for, you know, to get a player that you recruited to be draft eligible anyway or three years anyway yeah. so it's about time for that to happen and uh, you know we'll see it happen so they're yeah, so very it's, not, it's not concerned weird that it hasn't happened yet it's just yeah. not, i guess i'm just really ready for it yeah, to yeah happen. for sure and you know looking down the line joe milton super high ceiling player um you know we saw him a little bit last year um still really raw we'll see what happens with that um if he sticks around i think that the staff is really confident that they can develop him well um Cade McNamara, it's kind of a mini Shea Patterson, kind of in the same mold. Uh, and similarly, J.J. McCarthy uh, is a commit for 2021 class. Um, I don't, normally, I wouldn't look that far ahead, but if you look up his, his highlight tape and watch it, it's, uh, it's, it's nasty. a bit eye-opening. Uh, he's a little bit taller than Patterson. He's a little bit he's elusive like Patterson. Wouldn't say he's a game-breaking runner like McCaffrey, but he can he's run. able to scoot a little bit. He can definitely run when he needs to. Yeah, but he's just got a shoulder-mounted cannon and is yeah. able to just to I'd just say his, his ceiling is much higher than any of them. Yeah, any, he, anyone on the list so far: Patterson, McCaffrey, Milton, McNamara, all of them. His his ceiling is way above theirs. Yeah, he's throwing in this highlight tape as a sophomore in high school. He's throwing like forty five yard ropes, not you know your air your moon ball, you know deep shot. He's just ripping it down yeah. the field, and so very excited. You know, we'll have to wait four or five years before we get to see that in the, in the correct uniform. But. Yeah, we'll, we'll see him hopefully in twenty twenty two as the start. Yeah, I mean, hey, if if anyone, if any, if I if I had to put money on anyone as a true freshman coming in, it couldn't put it on any other guy than that. Well, no, guy if, if he's twenty twenty one, that means that's the year he'll be on the field, right. Potentially, yeah. So, so 2022 20, 20, as a starter, I'm giving him until he's a sophomore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or okay. or a redshirt freshman. That's fair. Oh, you know. And I skip, kind of skipped over J.D. Johnson from this year's recruiting class. I hadn't, not quite as familiar with his body of work, but you know he will, uh, he will have his chance as well to uh, to contribute. Next position group, uh, second most confident position group that I have most confidence in is the offensive line, and basically, um, you know, I think the the most significant part of about this is that just. It's the same group of players that, um, you know, 
made it through the suck of 2017, um, where, you know, 2016, the year before that, there were, um, you know, the offensive line was the limiting factor on the offense and on the team. Um, 2017, the offensive line was not coached in a manner that allowed them to uh, play adequately, I thought. There were also a bunch of new players, some freshmen, um, some sophomores, uh, young players, not a cohesive scheme. You saw the results on the field. wasn't great. However, they all returned, and they were able to really make uh, improvement in 2018, even from the beginning. You know, 2018 didn't start out all that hot. They were... uh, John Running especially was kind of getting roasted by Notre Dame, and um, you know Notre, Notre Dame's defensive line kind of had their way with with Michigan's offensive line. But by the end of the year, um, they were really cohesive, and you could definitely tell that um, that they were on the same page as far as their blocking schemes and whose responsibilities, and and you know they were they were working really well as a unit, and they were all kind of developing as a as individuals. Um, Cesar Ruiz, I expect he'll be, uh, you know, a pretty high draft pick as far as centers you know, go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect. Is he a five star? I know he's up there. I think he was like a high four star, but I don't think there's ever been a. I feel like he's one of those that was a five star for a minute, then wasn't, then was, and then wasn't. I feel, and he ended up maybe a just a highly rated four star. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's ever a five star, but he was definitely a highly rated four star. Yeah. Um, ben Bredesen, senior year. It's a shame that he didn't get a red shirt year, uh, but he was a, a highly rated four star as well. Right guard. Really expecting. I expect he'll get drafted as well. Um, Mike on when you uh, apparently has um, he, the joke about him was is that he was a slim 350 <laughs> um, and I think the joke was is that he was listed at 350 but he was heavier than 350 he slimmed down apparently a lot and um, uh, there's been a, a fair amount of talk not just from the Michigan program but also from the, the people that he's close to in his high school program that he's really kind of uh, you know Developed, especially as a as a, a leader as well, um, with his ability to to you know play in a more agile and, and slim down way, still being you know a load and a road grader as far as a you know a run you know a run blocker, also a really capable pass blocker. So should be really really well off in the interior. I expect it's kind of gonna you know from from. Guard center guard. I you know I I don't think you could count a better. I don't think you could count any better interior offensive lines on one hand in the nation than than them. So that'll be solid. Give give Ed some props because that's like I mean the last couple of years, two years ago when we were doing this exact same show, basically we were like, who is going to be our starting offensive line? We are. Yeah, had no idea. There are some massive. Uh, development happening at offensive line. Yeah, so. should have mentioned it. But yeah, definitely Ed Warner gets the credit for, for making the offensive line it. work as a unit. So, so John John Runyon returns as a All American or an All Big Ten um, left tackle. So that's uh, we should be solid there. He should continue to improve. I, I know I don't necessarily think he projects to the NFL as a tackle. Could definitely move inside. Um, and then the the right tackle position should be between Andrew Stuber and Jalen Mayfield. Um, I think that the uh, I think that both are capable. From what I hear, uh, Jalen Mayfield 
has a, a higher ceiling. And so if, you know, if there's a tie, I think that they will probably go with Mayfield, but uh, Stuber and there's a several other offensive linemen, Andrew Vastardis, I think. Um, the, what what believe, years is Mayfield and Stuber? Mayfield, I believe is now a either, uh, I think maybe he's a redshirt sophomore. I think he's a third year Stuber. I think maybe a fourth year and maybe two Actually, maybe two third, second year and third year. They may be younger than that. Okay. I'll have to double. You could double check for them if you want. But um, but yeah. So looking forward to to them having not only you know a cohesive unit that's capable of playing really well, but also some depth and rotation to to fight, to slot in there if they need it. Um, so offensive line has you know gone from being a significant liability to being uh, strength without a doubt on the team so looking forward to that um i guess a third position group that i have here is one that we've talked about a fair amount is the receiver group um really r- really crazy recruiting class from 2017 um donovan peoples jones nico collins and Tariq black are kind of the three-headed monster there um and i I, I'm I'm at the point I think where I would put Ronnie Bell on the same level as them. You know, he plays a little bit more on the interior in the slot. He is super super fast, super shifty, and has uh, really good hands. I uh, hadn't seen him drop anything. Um, you know, he he's able to. He's a basketball player, and if you've watched any of his basketball highlights, he's like what six two or something, and he just he's just throwing down crazy dunks. Mayfield's um, a sophomore. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, thanks for checking up. on that. I think it's two. I think yeah, Mayfield's a sophomore, Stuper maybe a junior. I'm on it. I'm um, looking. But yeah, so uh, definitely some depth at wide receiver um, options. You know, a lot of these. You know, between Donovan People Jones and Nico Collins, I feel like yep. either of them two could be the number one receiver on any given team in the Big Ten. Pretty much on most teams in the country. Stuber yeah. was a junior. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was right in that. Or is a junior. Yeah, so really excited about you know them being able to have them all on the same team and having a scheme that allows them all to be effective on the field at the same time and you know you can't cover all of them. Um, Isn't everybody? Someone's going to be mean, open. Uh, Black is six four. Collins six five. DJP six five. I think uh, Donald People Jones is like six three. DPJ. Black maybe around six three too. But I think Collins is like six four, six five. Yeah, I don't think any of them are six five, but. So I'm, I'm going four. off of what they were originally listed off of on 24-7. Yeah. I feel like those always get a little, a little inflated. inflated. And, yeah. and then they get to the schools and then the numbers go back to what they actually are. Yeah. So. Yeah. All of them super solid, though. When I followed them in, in recruiting early on, I know Black was 6'4 and Collins was 6'5. Yeah. DPJ, I'm not sure. Well, the interesting thing here, too, is that we've got a lot of little um, – slot ninjas that have come in seems like there's definitely been a a big um kind of shift in recruiting philosophy with receiver two given the new you know the new scheme i i almost kind of just read it as more of a uh confirmation that the scheme change isn't just kind of a, a a talking point type thing that it's really real um i think we've got like within the past recruiting class and this coming recruiting class like six or seven wide receiver commits that are like 5'11 or under <laughs> um, but really fast and, and, and super shifty and, and just kind of those 
those guys you just want to kind of give a crossing route to after you've cleared everyone out and just let them kind of you know do stuff in space. Mike Saint Ristol is is a guy that uh, seems to be a a route running artisan. Uh, seen several videos online of him just you know running routes and drills, and you saw some of that in the spring games. He should be a uh, you know, a contributor as a true freshman. Um, Giles Jackson is another one, uh, several of them. So um, really looking for big things out of the receiver group. It seems like it's going to be a, you know, a, a scheme change that is going to be pass happy. So looking forward to that. I think a lot of the fans that have been kind of frustrated with the, um, with mostly the memories of the three three yards in a cloud of dust type offense have been, you know, really hypersensitive to the um, the running on first down and, and not and being kind of predictable. Um, hopefully those days are behind us and we'll be able to kind of uh, see if we can punch the ceiling up a little bit on the offensive performance. And, you know, I, I think that it, in this... Um, given the change on this offense to this offensive scheme, we may have to kind of uh, win some games in a shootout type fashion. I'm not sure if, you know, the offensive runs are at a real fast pace. I think that might put some extra stress on the defense. So I'm not quite sure that we'll be able to count on the defense to little, hold everyone to 14. A little bit of pass 14. rush fall off, which is going to, it's going to be a little bit of a toll on the secondary, you know? Yeah. Yep, a little bit. I, I, I definitely, I, I'm not expecting the defense to perform at you know the top ten ish level that they were last year. Um, but if we can do top fifteen ish, Don Brown will find a way 20. to keep him in the top twenty easily. Yeah, yeah. And then and that should that should that should not you know put a damper on our on our aspirations. So, so I think we'll be in good shape. Really looking forward to it. We'll get more in detail about you know kind of the the nitty gritties on the matchups and, and we'll find thing more things out about um, spring and who's standing out or not spring, but fall camp. Um, as we get closer to the season, we are, um, it'll be next month. We're almost all the way through July and then we just have to wait all the way through August and we will be there. Yeah. Good almost. times. The doldrums of the off season are almost behind us. Finally, so, almost over. Finally, then... almost over. Oh, <laughs> God, <laughs> we can get back to sports season. We've been. I hate the off season. Always. I mean, I love golf, but that's all you got. Yeah, and, and when you know, hockey ends, it's there's yeah. nothing unless you really like basketball. It's brutal, and sometimes you can watch cornhole on TV. That's fun. <laughs> What was that one with they they play the volleyball with a little circle? Oh yes, uh, slam spike, ball, spike ball. Yeah, spike ball. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty fun. I have that in the garage. That's a college sport, apparently, because I've never <laughs> seen it in my life until I saw it in your garage, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" And then all of a sudden, it's on TV as a college sport. It's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> no it's way. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we'll leave it there, and we will pick it up next time, and maybe talk about uh, predictions, uh, yep. schedule, season predictions all that coming good stuff. up. Yep. Absolutely. You can basically put those as uh, as your Bible. Stone cold locks. We're never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, see ya. Go blue. Go blue.